For me, uh, I suppose is the incredible ability of the program being a platform to bring together very important actors and bridging China and the UK all together. But also, it has the power and the ability to bring the best minds of expertise, um, both here and through working with the um, Chinese stakeholders, but also by um, through BSI to bring all the international experts uh, leading in those sectors that we work on. BSI presents The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Today's episode is on the UK-China Business Environment Programme. Hello and welcome to The Standard Show. My name is Matthew Childs and the aim of this podcast is to bring you the stories behind the standards. Now, the UK-China Business Environment Programme is a UK government initiative that aims to create a more transparent and improved business environment in China. And in this special episode of the podcast, we'll be looking at one important aspect of that programme, known as the International Standards Strand. Managed by BSI, this standards project started in June 2019 and ran for three years, up until December 2021. It's a significant project for supporting trade and innovation between the UK and China. As Scott Steedman, Director General for Standards here at BSI and overall director for the project, explains. The significance of the China Standards Project was to really support the engagement of Chinese industry and business in the international standards system. The UK is a a leading player in the international standards uh, community. And it's very important for the global economy that major uh, countries all over the world are participating fully in that international standards system. So they are sharing the development uh, and consensus building of what good practices look like across business and industry. And then they are adopting those standards back in their own country, as we do in the UK, to support their industries and to create that very simple passport to trade, allowing supply chains to operate across the world in an agile and and resilient way. Standards, uh, international standards in particular, are a huge um, accelerator of innovation. And so building uh, the Chinese capacity to participate in the the stakeholder-led international standard system is really important for UK interests and uh, for the global economy and and, and sustainable development uh, more broadly. The alternative uh, is that countries develop their own standards and we persist with a sort of 19th century, 20th century fragmentation of the global economy, which doesn't help uh, business, industry, consumers, or governments to achieve the the huge ambitions that we have uh, around sustainable development, um, the net zero transition, reduction of carbon emissions, and and the uh, digitalization uh, of the global economy. So what was really significant about the standards project was that it would enable us to work together, the UK and China, our experts cooperating, to learn more about the uh, development and and use uh, adoption of international standards and how countries can um, step up 
to join the global economy in the most efficient and effective way. BSI is appointed as the national standards body for the United Kingdom, and so we uh, provide the infrastructure for UK-based stakeholders to participate in international standards making. And we've developed over many years um, a very strong relationship with our opposite number in China, which is called the Standardization Administration of China, or SAC. And SAC is part of the very large uh, Chinese ministry, the State Administration of Market Regulation, or SAMR, a very powerful ministry uh, managing the Chinese economy. So our relationship with SAC has grown over the years, and and, uh, I signed an MOU on behalf of BSI with SAC uh, back in 2013, actually, to support the mutual recognition of standards and uh, cooperative work on on new areas and emerging technologies. And so uh, it was a great pleasure to to see our relationship grow over those years and to be able to, with the support of the UK government, to launch the standards project, which could develop our relationship to a new level and we could start um, uh, uh, seeing opportunities to cooperate on on uh, areas like um, smart city technologies, sustainable cities, um, building information, modeling, uh, governance, um, uh, standards for the sharing economy and, and, and e-commerce. And we could start discussing these in, in, in more detail than we've been able to discuss in our relationship previously. So I, I saw the standards project uh, as a really important enabler for um, the Standardization Administration of China and for BSI to develop our relationship to, to a new level altogether. Now, as well as from Scott, we'll hear from some of the other key players from the UK and China involved in the development and implementation of the Standard Strand project. They share not only some personal reflections about the project's successes, but also those of a more personal nature too, such as the one you heard right at the top of the episode from Sujun Zhou, who was the program coordinator at the British Embassy in Beijing. We'll also hear about a few of the challenges of delivering the standard strand, not least of which was trying to run a major international business engagement program during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, we'll also hear what happens next, now that the project has formally come to an end. But we begin at the beginning and the origins of the programme. And here again from Sujun Zhou, talking about how it all started and her thoughts on its overall success. She's followed by Ash Green, also from the British Embassy in Beijing. Ash is first Secretary Trade Policy in the Trade Policy Unit. He also shares his views on the programme's success and on the strategic importance of the Standard Strand and how he believes it supports the UK-China trade relationship. So the Prosperity Fund global programs have a range of thematic focus and business environment was one of them. I was very lucky that I joined the FCDL program team at the very beginning of the funding launch. So at that time, we considered the strategic areas to focus on in order to improve the business environment here in China and meet the Prosperity Fund's secondary objective to benefit the British companies. At the very beginning, we cast the net relatively wide to research over 10 areas 
giving examples of fair competition, public procurement, and also including standards, of course. And then eventually we narrow down the focus to five strands. So they include standards, anti-money laundry, commercial dispute resolution, intellectual property protection, and investment environment. So those areas essentially were chosen because firstly, either British or other international companies have raised concerns in these areas, or the rules-based international economic system has identified gaps in China for improvement for the purpose of global economic integration. And then secondly, it was essential that the program is also demand-led, which means that the Chinese government has the willingness to cooperate with the UK to undertake further reform in these areas. So eventually, based on those two major criteria, we selected those five areas. I think overall that BSI has progressed substantively on the major program outcomes. So my Personal evaluation of the standard strengths uh, is that it has largely delivered the agreed objectives, bearing in mind um, over very challenging circumstances of UK aid reduction and also the COVID pandemic restrictions. So since 2019, when the uh, strand was launched, the strand uh, subsequently launched uh, a few pilot projects to promote the adoption and use of international standards in three areas. So firstly, BSI has worked uh, with the local government and also companies in four Chinese cities to implement standards. It focuses on management system for sustainable development in communities. And then the second area was that BSI partnered with, again, three companies to implement standards to manage anti-bribery measures in organizations. And then thirdly, BSI partnered uh, with one organization in Beijing to implement standards for more sustainable construction and more sustainably operated buildings using building information modeling. And in China, and just to set the scene here, it is quite typical for the national and subnational government to try policies and approaches, in this case, specifically the standards or, or, or international standards, as a starting point. And then they often tend to scale up more widely to amplify the pilot impact. The nature that more cities and organizations joined the pilot scheme itself is itself an indicator of success. So I really do hope that in the future, more will follow the course after the program ends to continue to deliver the program impact in a sustainable way. So then moving on to the second main objective um, of this strand, it's on the development of international standards. BSI has provided capacity building to the Chinese standard bodies and also experts involved in the joint working groups on how to develop better proposals for international standards. To give specific examples, China and the UK submitted co-developed proposals on e-commerce and organizational governance to ISO already. And further proposals are being developed in these two areas, also in manufacturing as well. Finally, it is worth to highlighting that this project is really highly recognized by the Chinese government at ministerial level. Although the program will come to an end in December 2021, 
there will still be non-older funding support to build on the legacy of the program's success and also look to expand new areas of cooperation, such as in AI and education. I would also like to say that personally, I have found it really intellectually challenging as well as rewarding to collaborate with BSI on this project by bridging China and the UK on subject matter that stands so central to international trade. The so kind of the current international system has has been a really strong route for the UK to exercise global influence. You know, I think everyone uh, will agree that the, the BSI uh, is world renowned and, and influential in developing standards in international institutions. And I think it's fair to say the UK punches above its weight uh, in terms of standing standard setting bodies um, and and influencing the the kind of standard setting process globally. Uh, and so I think you know cap- building on that, capitalizing on that success is really important. And the programme overall, I think the key thing to my mind was that it it really enjoyed the benefit of relying almost solely on relationship building and exchanges between technical experts um, across a range of different sectors. So I think, you know, we were talking sustainable cities, organisational governance, e-commerce, BIM, and all all those areas were from a technical perspective, you know, exchanges between experts. And I think that technical focus afforded the cooperation, a degree of isolation. I mean, it meant that the work was able to continue fairly consistently throughout uh, various events of the past few years. I think I, I'd be remiss, as we all would now, to, to kind of not address COVID, um, which emerged fairly on in the programme's life cycle, and it led to some fairly major challenges. I think, you know, standardisation has historically primarily, primarily revolved around face-to-face meetings. So being forced to start Virtual meetings was difficult, but I'm really proud of the way that the team managed to demonstrate the effectiveness of the alternatives on offer. And actually moving to virtual engagement meant we were able to have a more frequent engagement at lower cost. So from my perspective, you know, I was personally able to speak at multiple events across China, but also in the UK, which I think, you know, if they had been solely offline events, as was the trend pre-COVID, it's quite feasible that you know I wouldn't have been able to make a lot of those engagements just for cost and time reasons. Whereas because they happened online, I was able to personally see a lot more of the work of the program than perhaps I ordinarily would have in my role as as SRO. And um, I think you know it's important to say, like everywhere, I don't believe that, that online engagement is a full substitute for face to face engagement. And I say that primarily because if I did, I'd be uh, talking myself out of a job. <laughs> but um, I do think that we've shown kind of you know across the UK China relationship that you know whether it be travel restrictions in COVID times or geographical distance in pre-COVID and hopefully soon to be post-COVID times, you know, we can continue to engage to the mutual benefit um, of both of us. And I think also I'd like to say, you know, the technical nature, as I mentioned earlier, of the programme gave us the ability to build trust with the Standards Administration of China that I don't think we'd have necessarily been able to achieve without the level of expertise we had at our disposal as part of the programme. And that enabled us to build really good relationships which helped facilitate really helped facilitate really good discussions, um, and I, you know I just think the, the the level of detail that you can get to and the relationships that can be built are much more effective when you have experts in their field sitting down, uh, talking to one another. More generally, standards and regulatory issues are becoming increasingly important part of our diplomatic engagement, both with China and and, and across the world, uh, and I think the program really gave us an edge, engaging with key Chinese standards bodies and also gave us greater insight into how they work, what their motivations are, and where their interests lie. I think that was really key. You know, you could see from the animation in some of the discussions that 
that we'd really struck a chord in some of the areas we were working. I think it's important for me to be clear that the, you know there are areas where it's not in the interest of the UK to work with China and where China is developing its own national standards. However, there are areas where the engagement can really support our wider diplomatic efforts, as well as our trade and investment promotion. And I think my particularly favourite example of that is the UK-China joint standards proposals on organisational governance and e-commerce, which were developed under the programme and presented to ISO last year. The latter in particular is really exciting from a trade and investment perspective because China has the world's largest e-commerce market. And a UK-China jointly developed standard on guidelines on sharing of product quality assurance, related traceability information in e-commerce supply chains, I'm assured that, that all standards in ISO are as catchily named as that one, um, I think shows a real commitment to, to work with China and to improve the quality of the Chinese market, which you know, ultimately could bring a massive benefit to, to UK retailers. In terms of joint proposals, submissions, I think that was one of my favourite aspects of the programme because a lot of what we do is focused on influencing um, and kind of, you know, affecting behaviour. But this one was, you know, was working together with, with China to jointly develop proposals. Um, so the organisational governance uh, proposal, for example, on internal investigations of organisations, which was presented to ISO last year and accepted last summer, um, is a really great example of that where it was a proposal covering conflict of interest in organizations and as part of the program you know we worked through the development of that we we improved china's uh proposal um you know proposals process and we, and we jointly submitted something to iso which got accepted which i think is a really great example of where we can work work together i'd also highlight um the work on remanufacturing where you know uh, late last year just before christmas um we were in, kind of engaging in the final engagement activity uh, and approvals at ISO. There's a, a proposal for a new subcommittee to sit under ISO TC323, Circular Economy, where this work is going to take place. And we're looking at proposals on terminology and general requirements of remanufacture. Uh, so, you know, I think this one is kind of less well developed than the other two. It's still in the proposal stage, but that's a really great example where we can continue, you know, this engagement uh, once, once the program wraps up. One of the things that this program delivered is an evidence base for some of the things I'm saying. Um, and the key part of that was uh, the research we commissioned from the Center for Economic and Business Research, which estimated that China's increased adoption of international standards could boost substantially the economies of both China and the UK. And I think that's a really important point to reiterate. Uh, the, the report estimates that the UK's GDP boost could be up to £1.1 billion per year, and China's own GDP could be boosted by 6% or more after 15 years of increased international standards adoption. So when we're talking about you, you know, the UK's levelling up agenda, we're talking about China's own desires to, to kind of rejuvenate old industrial bases, particularly in the north. You know, there's a really easy way of boosting the economies of both the UK and China, and that is through increased harmonisation of standards and standard setting. As well as some of the overall successes and long-term benefits of the programme, both Sujun and Ash refer to some of the outcomes of the standard strand, including new standards proposals being developed at ISO, and in particular in the areas of organisational governance and e-commerce. We'll come back to those later. Now, the operation of the standards project was managed by BSI through our international projects team. BSI's international projects team has worked in over 50 developing countries and transition economies over the last 20 years. 
Its technical assistance projects are designed to help improve countries' quality infrastructure system, trade and investment flows, and to facilitate increased opportunities for market access by bringing procedures into line with international standards and requirements. In those countries, they work with the institutions responsible for standardization, certification and conformity assessment, testing laboratories, metrology, accreditation, market surveillance, consumer protection and technical regulation, as well as with private sector companies and professional associations. Funded predominantly by public sector bodies and institutions, the technical assistance projects cover a wide range of sectors, including manufacturing and processing, infrastructure, food safety, health, environment, energy and low carbon technology, digital, services, procurement and governance. Now, for most of the duration of the standards project, the implementation was led by BSI's Chris Brown, as he explains. So I went out to Beijing in December 2019 for about three weeks to help set up an office, to um, identify and recruit local staff, to meet um, colleagues from the team, um, and also engage with the embassy as well. Uh, And I went out again in January, and we had a very successful sort of kickoff, if you like, with our Chinese counterparts from the Chinese government agencies. We worked in about 12 sectors. And we managed to convene about 50, 60, uh, already the key people in the room at the same time. And then, as we all know, COVID kicked in. I came back to UK and have been been there ever since. But the um, I've been engaged day to day with my China team since then, uh, and, and also with our counterparts, government agencies and the, and the embassy on a uh, sort of bi-monthly basis. Um, so that's really an overview of, of how I've been working, if you like. Taking a step back and looking at you know what we'd really tried to set out to achieve um, and, and why the, the UK government and the Foreign Commonwealth Development Office sort of really funded this program, um, the, the big success was to support China's engagement in international standards. Um, and a lot of that was by sort of reducing the sort of the fragmentation of standards, uh, you know, working to redress um, fragmentation of international standards in China in particular. Um, and that has been successful across particularly three sectors um, in terms you know, good governance would be one, the construction sector or building information would be one, and uh, sort of sustainable cities and, and lots of cross-cutting themes too. But, um, and, you know, we, we sort of be, we've done some research into this and that there is a possible benefit to the UK economy of about one over £1 billion pounds per year uh, if China adopts international standards, in particular the sectors that the UK will be interested in to export, uh, export its products to and also receive standards, um, uh, uh, sorry, products up to international standards into the UK. So I think engaging China in the international standards setting um, and, and adoption has been a big, big success. Um, I, I just mentioned some of the sectors that we've worked in. So we did these through pilot projects that China sort of traditionally has piloted initiatives, you know, as in Shenzhen, which was a little fishing village and became this sort of massive megacity. And, and the same in our, um, in our project, you know, we piloted um, good governance or anti-bribery measures in three organizations in China. So one was a foreign, a wholly foreign-owned enterprise, um, 
One was a, um, a sort of local government think tank and one was a medical technology company. So a different range of uh, enterprises. We piloted four um, or standards in four um, cities to do with um, sustainable uh, development, um, different cities across China. And also in building information, we, we had a very successful pilot in Beijing uh, for sort of greener construction and infrastructure. So the pilots... Where it took time to get going were very successful, and that's a sort of a blueprint for the future rollout of standards in those sectors across China. And we're still very much engaged with our counterparts, even though the project has come to an end. I think another success would be working very closely with our, say, BSI experts and our Chinese counterparts on getting the Chinese to develop and submit better proposals for international standards. And what I mean by that is traditionally. International standards have been set by the USA, UK, France, Germany, and Japan. Uh, and of course, you know the, the world has changed and moved on. China is now the second biggest economy, so therefore, it's probably right that they should have a say in developing international standards. But um, till recently, they had very little success, or obviously no success, due to perhaps the quality of the proposals they designed, uh, taking into account international considerations and so on. They tended to look at their standards as through a very China lens. And we've been very successful in um, getting approval of standards which China has come up with, if you like, working with them to get them through ballot and to get them approved at ISO level um, in the fields of e-commerce would be one, and also another one under um, organizational good governance, um, this, which is to do with internal investigation of organizations, uh, whereas the e-commerce one, so you're talking here, transnational um Payment, the massive issue in quality assurance and traceability and trust, and then a third sector is in remanufacturing, um, which is you know, very closely linked to what came out of COP twenty six. Um, we have six proposals in the pipeline, so I think that's been a great success. Working with Chinese colleagues as equals to develop proposals, um, and we still have working groups in place to to continue um, the the development of those standards. Uh, I think for success would be we've done a very successful piece of research into improving the understanding of the economic and social impact of adopting international standards in China. So really, what, why, why should China adopt international standards if they're done well enough on their own with picking and choosing or cherry picking which standards they like and which ones they don't want? Um, whereas you know we've been able to point out that across a number of big sectors, you know, agribusiness, construction, finance, services, you know, you name it, there is a fairly massive benefit, uh, particularly in not, not the big government-run uh, organisations, but the small and medium enterprises further down the chain, for them to adopt international standards. And we presented that work to the Chinese government in December, and it's, got, it's gone very well. Um, and then finally, I think the uh, sort of our, our communications, um, if you like, you know, we've produced two very so high quality magazines in uh, English and Chinese uh, we've you know with interviews of our sort of partners at both sides both ends um, and these have been sort of widely circulated so those for me would be the the success stories um, from the project in his reflections on the practical arrangements of the project and its successes Chris mentioned the UK embassy and obviously we heard earlier from Ash Green and Sujun Joe but another key member of that UK embassy team was David Lambert. David was programme manager for the overall business environment programme. He explained his role and also some more about the pilot projects of the Standard Strand on sustainable cities, anti-bribery management 
and Building Information Modeling, or BIM. So I joined the embassy as program manager for the business environment program, uh, which is made up of several strands. But uh, the most important one from my perspective was the uh, international standards strand of the business environment program. So I was working very closely with the uh, BSI side project managers and the our stakeholders in China to oversee the activities that were involved in that program um, and kind of planning for the events and uh, attending that, some of those events and speaking on behalf of the of British embassy and and representing the UK interest in those events too. When I first joined the program, then we were kind of just getting started and agreeing what the scope was. Um, and then it seemed to be quite slow progress in kind of setting up working groups, um, finding the right experts, identifying the needs and priorities. Um, and then it was only in kind of the last six months, maybe nine months of the program that we really started seeing a lot of uh, actions coming out. So for the groups that have been developing new proposals, then getting those proposals together, submitted to ISO, balloted at working groups. A lot of the successes we've had there have really come at the very end of the program near enough. So I think the a kind of key lesson learned is that standardization initially moves slowly, but at the same time, it, it can move quickly once you get the momentum going um, and that it's important for the program to be able to kind of run to its natural conclusion um, if you want to actually get the full benefit of these uh, collaboration opportunities. So I think the program has been very successful in the kind of the last two years um, in achieving some of the main main objectives were around the pilot projects. So this is where there were international standards already existing, um, usually published by ISO, where we found uh, possible organizations in China who could pilot those standards. So the successful pilot projects were across three different industry sectors, uh, which included sustainable cities, uh, anti-bribery management systems, and BIM, uh, building information modeling. So we were very pleased to be able to find some organizations in China who were kind of appropriate and willing to uh, pilot these standards. Um, and for all three of those industry sectors, then we've had very kind of positive responses from those organizations that have piloted them. So for example, in the sustainable cities one, uh, there were four areas in China, um, two, two kind of sub-districts of Guangzhou in the south, uh, one in Tianjin and one in Zhuzhou in Zhejiang province. And they were all piloting the ISO 37101 series of standards. Um, and they reported back how that had impacted their kind of development of those areas of the cities um, and how they'd uh, seen the benefits that following those standards processes um, had brought them. And then likewise, in the anti-bribery management, um, there were three organizations involved um, across a kind of range of different areas and again, industries. And again, they were reported that they'd had some good, good results from the first, first few months that they'd been piloting these standards. And for the BIM project uh, in Beijing, there was a construction site piloting the uh, BIM ISO 19650 standard. Um, they estimated that they'd saved 15 days worth of their construction because of the uh, the modeling they were doing under the ISO standard, which is clear kind of tangible results of how using those international standards um, has, has been a successful just in those pilots. Um, and obviously, if we're advertising the uh, the benefits of those to, to other companies as well so that they can understand how, how international standards can help them. I think some of the challenges have been um, are probably around, I think, the contrast between the, um, the kind of the pace of 
ISO and international standards generally, obviously, if you're developing new standards proposals, it takes a lot of time um, and you need to kind of go through the processes, establish your working groups, consultations and all those sort of things that, that standardization experts will be familiar with. Uh, I think the challenge was uh, from the from the UK government point of view, obviously, because of COVID as well, uh, budgets have been kind of very changeable um, and kind of driven by each financial year. So trying to, to marry up the um, the kind of short term, we've got this amount of money for this amount of time, um, along with the kind of longer term actual how standardization works, that if we want to set up a working group to develop this standard, it needs to take a, a certain amount of time to do so. Uh, that's been been quite a challenge. Um, and on a number of occasions, we had to kind of rescope the program or think about um, kind of new areas to, to focus on depending on on the budget available, which was, was quite a challenge. And I think well, the other key one, um, I think we can't, can't go without saying uh, that COVID has been a big challenge for a program um, trying to build international relationships between China and the UK. Um, and I think I'm sure your, your listeners are well used to all the impact that COVID has had on their life. Um, but I think particularly uh, the idea that face-to-face meetings were previously kind of paramount um, in, in discussing standards um, and moving those to virtual meetings has, uh, has been a bit of a challenge. But at the same time, it's meant that we, people can speak more often to each other and it's much lower cost um, and you can include a broader scope of participants too. So uh, I think there's been some upsides. Another lesson learned is the difference between the kind of technical standards discussions and the, the broader political bilateral relationship. I think um, your, your listeners are also probably aware of the uh, the kind of broader UK-China relationship challenges over the last couple of years um, on, on various issues. But despite that, then we've had effective discussions at working level of standardization experts speaking to each other about proposals, exchanging ideas, um, and we had some really kind of productive relationship built uh, in those groups, um, despite the kind of yeah, the high level rhetoric that, that you'll be reading about in, in the newspapers. Um, it's been interesting to see the, that contrast between uh, yeah, the working level and the, uh, the higher level uh, headlines. Here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, particularly if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find and follow us on Twitter at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. Now, earlier I said that the UK-China Business Environment Programme is a UK government initiative that aims to create a more transparent and improved business environment in China. To help meet that overall aim, the Standard Strand project focused on some desired outcomes, which have been mentioned by some of the guests so far. But in this next part of the episode, we'll look at these in a bit more detail. The first is the improved quality of Chinese proposals submitted internationally. These are proposals for the development of new international standards at ISO and IEC through close collaboration between experts from the UK and China. And the second is improved adoption and use of international standards in China. For some insights on this, I spoke to BSI's Jeff Visser. This was really to look at the uh, general picture of encouraging the adoption and use of international standards in China. And uh, so I was driving the different sectors that we were dealing with under the under the program uh, to uh, 
to encourage both the adoption and publication of international standards as Chinese standards. And then a second part of that project was to be to look at uh, what they, we called pilot projects, where we would test uh, the use of uh, recently published or standards under publication um, in, or in the process of being published, we would test those standards in organizations in the Chinese context. So I was driving that out, drive, coordinating the work in the in the sectors that were uh, chosen to work under the outcome one of the project. The successes of the program was to work in the Chinese context with the, the technical committees and the and the organisations that were adopting international standards in China, um, and to uh, basically to understand the importance and, and to get better understanding of the importance of adopting international standards in China. Um, it, it sounds a little bit um, uh, almost counterintuitive to uh, to look at the at this because China has have does have a very good track record of adopting international standards. but um, up until now, it's almost been a parallel process or a, a bifurcated process, for, for lack of a better word, when, where you have um, the adopted standards are used very well for Chinese products for export purposes, but there seems to be a different, almost parallel process for uh, standards used in the local context. And um, through this project, I think we started to uh, bring those two worlds much closer together, and uh, in the Chinese context, certainly a a, a large commitment, especially on, uh, where it comes to new standards. Uh, we, we've seen a marked improvement in terms of using new standards in as straight up adoptions of international standards in the Chinese context, very uh, a, a lot more readily than than was done in the past. In terms of delivering on our output, we certainly found that um, we uh, could work together very well. The uh, uh, Chinese counterparts and the UK counterparts work very, very well together in terms of sharing expertise. Uh, the uh, UK stakeholders have a very strong and uh, long-standing relationship with the standardization program. I would like to say that uh, one of the benefits we 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 realized uh, almost unexpectedly was that we could do a remarkable amount of work using online platforms, and there was not the uh, need that we had designed into the program initially to have contact visits and training and physical training and and those kind of things that we'd envisaged early on in the program. So we we got a lot done using online using the online environment and the tools that were available. Many of those tools have um, evolved even in the short space of time uh, that we've been you know using them over the the course of the program. So these have now become uh, almost a staple in terms of the way in which we can uh, work collaboratively in, in a space such as this. So we achieved a lot, and, and I think that's been a, a great lesson that we've learned in that respect. In terms of the use of standards in the Chinese context, we learned a lot as well 
in terms of the projects where we had pilot projects. Uh, we uh, experienced a, a great uh, commitment by the, the Chinese organizations that were implementing those standards, a, a huge commitment to implement those standards and do it very well and to report and share information, uh, which we, we certainly were grateful for and certainly benefited a lot from our project in terms of the lessons learned, in terms of the benefits realized. And these were very measurable and tangible, tangible benefits to those organizations uh, that were implementing those standards. So they used the international standards. They found benefit in using those inf- in, uh, international standards and they shared that information, which I think was a really positive outcome of the of the project. So I think all around uh, we, can, we, we were very grateful and uh, very happy with the progress made under the project. Equally, what I found incredibly rewarding and um, uh, <laughs> Was, and, and encouraging was the degree to which the Chinese counterparts, the people who were working with, with us in China, the coordinators of the mirror committees and uh, the, uh, the, the organizations in which we were running pilot projects, their willingness and their, their eagerness to do work. You know, you would, uh, it, it's pretty much unheard of in, <laughs> in, in other organizations that I've been to in terms of the amount of work that was just done overnight uh, in terms of uh, making sure that the the project was a success. And um, so it was really encouraging and really positive to work, you know, work with both sides in this, in this case. So, you know, just from a, uh, you know, (laughs) the the willingness of of both parties to just get this job done and to, to get it. And really, I think, Yes, they, they realized the benefits at the end of it all, but in, in many respects, they, they were acting as volunteers and um, certainly we, we benefited from that in terms of being able to uh, you know, successfully complete the project as we did. Now, Jeff and others have referred to those pilot projects. For a bit more about these, I spoke to BSI's Jennifer Bissett, who played a key role in what she describes as the backstage of the project, in the planning phase, building the team, dealing with communications, and also monitoring and evaluation. But she starts by telling me about her personal experience. I think what I can say for me is that it's um, it's been an incredible journey, uh, really spanning nearly three years, actually. Um, So I've had the privilege, actually, of being involved from the very inception of the program. So really understanding the needs, the the, the project objectives, how we can help achieve them, all the way up to the project completion. And that's, um, yeah, that's been quite a unique experience. Uh, And obviously, it's not always been easy. We've had some challenging situations to face. Uh, from you know prioritizing which sectors to focus on, there were so many areas we wanted to to collaborate on, to to managing the project during the the global pandemic, and also dealing with the impact of the pandemic on our project funding, which caused some a bit of stopping and starting in the project. But um, but we 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 managed to get through this. Um, and I think also what I would add is that this is obviously one project that I was managing, but I was managing it in parallel with others. And it just brings me just to explain that the team I work in is called uh, International Projects. And and the purpose is really, you know, the purpose of International Projects is really to try and improve uh, people's lives 
by realizing inclusive and sustainable development, mainly in developing and emerging economies. And, and the way we do this is very much like through this project, where we try and build up a country's quality infrastructure. So we're trying to identify areas where we can uh, reduce barriers to trade so that it can help encourage investment, create more opportunities to access global markets. Um, so this this program has been um, is very much a flagship program for BSI, and my role has been in making sure it's delivered um, successfully. So the key successes of the standard strand, uh, I'd like to say there were there were many and at different levels, but if I had to to pick out three, uh, I would say the first one was really around um, moving the dial and on on the on improving the adoption and and use of international standards in China. Now we did this through um, capacity building, through engaging at technical level. But one of the the areas where we really um, had a bit of a demonstrator effect was by running pilot projects. So we had eight pilot projects that were adopted um, in different sectors. So we had three in what we call organizational governance. So we were looking at um, st international standards in anti-bribery in, in different types of organizations, for example, one around uh, medical technology, one around forestry. We also had four pilot projects under sustainable cities. Um, looking at uh, standards in sustainable communities for small, what is considered small cities in China. Um, and we also ran a pilot um, under BIM. So this is the building information modeling uh, for a construction engineering company. So these pilot projects to me were very successful in, in first of all, showing that uh, there is an interest in China in these international standards, but also in in trying to implement the international standard and understand what are the challenges in doing so, and um, and and what are the benefits, obviously, of of, uh, of using these international standards. And I think it's a success for this project, but it's also a success for for us in understanding how these types of pilots can really help um, draw out the benefits of international standards for also for other projects in other countries. Developing relationships and networks are critical for the success of any large-scale project, but they were particularly critical for the outcome of the project, which was looking at improved quality of Chinese proposals submitted internationally. These are the proposals for the development of new international standards at ISO and IEC. Now, these relationships were certainly put to the test during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's Jennifer Bissett again. I think if we look at uh, another success, so a second success, I would say, is trying to um, where we were trying to improve the uh, quality of the proposals that China was putting forward to international standards organizations such as ISO and IEC. Um, there was a real, real constructive uh, dialogue between the China and UK uh, working groups that we established in a number of sectors. And initially, we had designed the project with a very traditional approach of, um, you know, classroom style trainings, etc. Uh, but then, as we progressed in the conversations, we we moved, we shifted our approach. Uh, partly also because of, of COVID, we had to do everything remotely. But we really, I think we we got to better that the experts got to better understand each other, and they learned that it was much uh, more effective to. Um, to share experiences 
as they worked on certain proposals. So the success for this part of the pro project was really this um, positive, constructive dialogue and uh, learning on the job. And it led to basically, um, you know, the program supporting three new work item proposals, which uh, in the standards world is is quite uh, is quite an achievement because it, it does take a lot of time to shape um, and and to shape these proposals and to make sure that they they're they're relevant and, and useful. Um, so those achievements were made in in different areas. So again, in organizational governance, um, looking at uh, you know in, internal investigations of organizations, but also in e-commerce, looking at um, product and logistical traceability, and also a lot of discussions around remanufacturing. Um, and the project also supported one, what we call a preliminary work item proposal. So this is more like a, a marker in the sand. It's it's saying that we're looking at an area where we want to work on it, we want to collaborate, but there might still be some work to be done. So a lot of um, discussions took place. And, and I think, to me, just the the conversation taking place that was one of the positives of this um, of this outcome but the 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 measurable uh, <laughs> achievement here was really the proposals that were put forward and um, and I think the the key success of that is that although the project once the project ends the proposals actually then move to another forum um, and they they don't just end with the project to find out a bit more about this particular part of the Standard Strand project, I spoke to Kate Bazutel. At the time of the project, Kate was a BSI senior standards manager responsible for developing standards in the areas of materials, mobility and manufacturing. The UK-China Business Environment Programme was set up to include a strand on improving the quality of Chinese proposals that are submitted to international standards setting bodies such as ISO and IEC and so on. And the, the way we wanted to achieve this was through close collaboration between UK and Chinese experts to develop strong standards proposals. So my role on this, over the past two years, I've acted as a project lead for this strand. And that was around ensuring networks that were built between UK and China in the relevant areas, making sure that discussions were held, most importantly, that key priorities were identified and then developed into standard proposals that were then sent off to the standard setting bodies, ISO, IEC, and so on. Developing a robust standard proposal is the first step towards a single standard that can be used globally. And my role in the program was to guide and coordinate the team towards achieving that. So the China BP standards program involves several aspects and I think the most important aspect of that was setting up joint working groups between UK and China. And the team actually worked really hard to bring together stakeholders from across industry, academia, government, trade associations, and many other relevant bodies to facilitate those discussions. I would say that one of the key successes has been the way in which all of the joint working group members have collaborated and discussed the main challenges they are currently facing in their industry. And we're talking here joint working group members from the UK and from China. We've seen them really build some strong working relationships. They've shared good practice and understanding and really understood the need to resolve major challenges. We've seen them come to a common agreement by asking the relevant questions such as 
What is the pain point? What's the overall aim of the standard? What does its solution look like? So I'd say the key success of this program has been that strength of networks that were built up between uh, two different countries. Well, the pandemic obviously presented a challenge. We were intending to hold face-to-face workshops, um, some face-to-face training, uh, discussions, conferences, but obviously this was not feasible when we all went under lockdown. But I would say we overcame this very rapidly. We switched to virtual meetings straight away. And although it was a challenge and a flip side, I'd say, in fact, it turned out that the challenge helped us produce a much better way of working. Because we worked virtually, the groups could have much more frequent discussions to work on drafts, iron out any issues, um, discuss little things. They could easily set up the next meeting for the following week, for example, instead of waiting for a physical meeting either in China or in the UK. So what we found was that the momentum that was built up did not get lost and the work got completed much more efficiently. So I'd say, in fact, the challenge that we did face allowed us to explore much more efficient ways of collaborating. If you think about it, all of our UK and Chinese experts who participated in this programme have now expressed a keen desire to continue to work together and develop new standards proposals. And that's because they've seen firsthand the benefit in sharing expertise to produce stronger proposals. So I'd say the key lesson, collaboration and cooperation between countries may be a daunting task, especially when each country has its own priorities. But the reality is that through discussion, all those differences can be resolved, can be ironed out. And what we've come up with in each case is a basic structure for a standard that addresses the challenges both countries are facing within that industry. And so far, all of our submissions to ISO were accepted. So you can actually see that what's emerged from that is that by working together with another country on the proposal itself, obviously we work with other countries on the standards once the proposals have gone through, but by working together on the proposals themselves, we really get a better chance of addressing the the issues which are being faced globally by all the countries. I definitely was working across teams much more than I've ever done before working with different people that I'd never known before, um, not just across teams within BSI, but also across um, different people externally as well. So working with the UK Foreign and Development Office, working with the uh, Chinese uh, standards body, SAC, CAS, several other bodies across China. So it was, for me, that was a much broader set of people than I'd ever worked with before. So what about the future then? I asked Chris Brown to reflect on what he felt had been the key lessons learned from the project. And I also asked Ash Green and Scott Steedman about future standards collaboration between the UK and China. But let's start with Chris. I think, you know, we've contributed to strengthening the relationship between UK and China in the area of international standards, particularly um, by setting up in you know, a high level working groups um, involving the embassy as well as Chinese government. And I know it's there's been a lot of uh, controversy, if you like, in the media about um, engagement with China. And I think the great thing about standards is it's very neutral and it doesn't get too emotional. Um, so it's it's an area where the Chinese are very keen to engage. It's an area where the UK is very strong. There's basically nothing to lose. And I think by um, getting that level of trust from our, uh, certainly from our Chinese partners, um, 
that relationship has been has really been strengthened. Um, BSI has a you know twenty five years plus uh, um, sort of collaboration with Chinese government agencies, and I think that that's going to continue going forward. So, so that's been a really good lesson learned. Uh, I think another one has been sort of joint working. You know, you find in these projects sometimes that it tends to be one way. You know, whether it's uh, UK government funded or EU and so on, it tends to be you have international experts going to a country, running training sessions and saying, this is how we do it. And one of the things I was really keen on when I took over as team leader on this, because um, I'd, I'd worked in China for 20 years before in private and public sectors. Um, well, so there's some really, really high quality Chinese experts out there and bring them into the team, bring them into the team as equals um, for, for each of the sectors. So if you're allocating um, resources to an expert on e-commerce and you want I'd say one on the UK side and one on the China side. Otherwise, you can't begin to understand the, the, the landscape from the China side, you know, the development, the trends and all this sort of issue too. Um, so we, we, there was a really good lesson was just joint working. And that makes a foundation for, for continuing to the future when the project's um, funding has finished, that um, you the, these bilateral working groups continue. We, and we had one this week in the area of, of organisational governance for both sides, BSI, the Chinese counterpart, and industry um, all want to continue, which is great. So that joint working has been a, another good lesson. Um, I just alluded to about the sort of neutrality of international standards. And I think here, you know, you can see this sort of what you call the soft power, sort of depoliticized power of working together on international standards um, in a sort of otherwise quite sort of politically charged environment. That, that's been a really good lesson as well. Um, and a, and a very good way of sort of keeping you know, sort of the working relations between UK and China um, and enabling relationship building too. So I think that soft power has been a, another really good lesson. Um, as sort of mentioned, working together with Chinese counterparts, you know, now we have a much better understanding of the our Chinese counterparts' way of working. That leads to a sort of an improved understanding of how they operate. They understand how we operate better as well. And again, that's all got a very good uh, basis for long-term engagement and i think probably finally really i think the big lesson for us was just communication um between all of us you know between our you know the bsi management if you like uh, our team on the ground in in china keeping the embassy in in beijing informed as well um and all the different counterparts that we have for the, for the various um sectors as well um just that sort of continual communication i've just you know learned so much about things i never knew on 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 different topics and and, and the people working them, they, they tend to be really passionate uh, about what they do. And I always sort of feel every time, you know, you have a, a call or a meeting, you're sort of learning something. So for me, it's been a great sort of journey as well about, you know, using my 20 odd years experience in China, which hopefully has benefited the project, but also learning lots of new things um, as well. So th those for me have been the, the personal highlights. It's a really great question. Um, and, you know, as we pursue our own trade policy outside of the EU, there is a real opportunity for the UK uh, to support a single set, a single international set of standards to act uh, as an instrument of trade liberalisation, you know, opening up new markets for UK manufacturers. So, you know, if the same standards are used in every country, then UK manufacturers producing these standards are more likely to be able to maximise their ability to sell in multiple global markets without kind of, you know, having to undertake alterations. China is the UK's third largest trading partner. So, you know, you can see there that there's a huge benefit to the UK economy 
to further collaborate on reducing those costly uh, misalignments in, in standards. Um, I think specifically, one of the key successes to have come out of this program is the desire from, from both sides for the technical experts to maintain engagement and to support increased adoption of international standards. There's scope to continue these exchanges on a technical level and to work with the strong relationships we've built with the Chinese standards bodies at the national and municipal level to support mutually beneficial adoption of international standards and where appropriate, as I've mentioned before, co-development of new standards. A more personal ambition, I guess, is I would like to focus on some UK areas of expertise to improve market access through work on Chinese standards in the more immediate term. So, you know, we saw with our work on cosmetics, which was an eight-year government effort, kind of cross-government, um, working with industry and industrial bodies, we succeeded in getting China's National Medical Products Administration to agree to start accepting imported cosmetics without the need for animal testing, as long as a good manufacturing practices certificate is issued by the government in the country where the product is made. And so that's a huge you know, example of, of success there. And, and that's an opportunity that that is potentially worth billions of pounds to the UK economy. And, you know, I think there are many more opportunities of areas like that where we can work. I think technical and vocational education training is a really big one. The UK is is an expert, you know, world leader in TVET. Um, and China has reiterated its desire to to focus more on, on technical and vocational education and training. Um, you know, President Xi is, is personally uh, committed to increasing the provision in China. So I think you know there's a huge opportunity there for us to work on on kind of education standards um, and qualification recognitions. And also, you know, sustainability and green development. You can't talk about anything uh, at the moment without you know referencing its green credentials and, and you know the, the need to focus on on sustainability and and you know ensuring the, the future of our of our planet, of our home. And I think you know there are there are real areas there of mutual benefit that we can work with, with China um, on, on on kind of collaboration. Ultimately the, the harmonization of standards and standard setting and increased adoption of international standards has the potential to be massively beneficial to, to international trade. Um, ultimately, you know, it's a facilitator of a more seamless flow of goods and services um, and an enabler of greater regulatory alignment, which is, you know, all things that we're uh, in favor of. And so, you know, we work with our OECD counterparts to encourage greater Adoption of international standards precisely because of the positive impact that it has on global trade and investment. This program, you know, really enabled us to have conversations that I don't think we would have been able to have otherwise, because there was a, a, res- a mutual respect in terms of the technical expertise, in terms of a genuine willingness and desire to learn from one another about respective processes and respective approaches. And, you know, those relationships, I think, will endure and will, will be a lasting legacy of the program in the UK-China bilateral relationship. So. I'm going to have to say, I think it's the relationships that that we've made uh, along the way. China has been playing an increasingly important role in the international standards system, which I really welcome because it's very, very important that in these very challenging geopolitical times, uh, countries continue to work together on consensus standards of good practice that will continue to facilitate the sustainable development of countries uh, all over the world, north and south, developing and emerging economies and to help them participate in the global economy in, in a secure and, and resilient manner. Very important, of course, as countries look to their own security and uh, food and energy uh, resilience, that they're also uh, seeing how they will play within the global economy 
in, in an agile way through trade and innovation. Chris Brown, Ash Green and Scott Steedman there, reflecting on the critical role of relationship building in the Standards Project and also on the future Standards collaboration between the UK and China to support trade and innovation. Now, in this episode, we have looked at two of the outcomes of the Standards Project, improved adoption and use of international standards in China and improved quality of Chinese standards proposals submitted internationally. But there was also a third outcome, as Jennifer Bissett explains. In parallel to those two very important um, aspects of you know, improving international standards adoption and use and also improving the quality of proposals that we're putting forward in international standards development, we also uh, worked on a research project and the completion of the research project really helped to improve the understanding of the economic and, and social impact of international standards adoption in China. And I think that piece of research um, will also help us in future in in, in, um, in providing more context and in couching some of those conversations about why why using and adopting international standards are important in China. So that was a, a quite a pioneering uh, piece of research because obviously some research had been, there's research out there already on why standards, you know, the benefits of standards, the benefits of international standards, but the benefits of using international standards in China, um, there was limited research on that. So that was quite unique. Now, the standard strand of the UK-China Business Environment Programme formally ended in December 2021, though it's not really the end of the story. Here's Jennifer again. So what has happened since the uh, standard strand uh, has come to an end? Well, to be honest, I, in some ways it doesn't feel like the program has come to an end yet because um, the program had not even finished that we initiated another uh, smaller UK-funded project to provide targeted support for the adoption and use of international standards in China in, in some selected sectors. Um, so this is a follow-up project, which is building on the bigger program that we've had. And it's it's really trying to further some of the work that we've done. So for example, work in the pilot projects, but also uh, work on the, um, on the development of proposals, of new proposals for standards. Um, and once this smaller project ends, I really foresee that the collaboration in the area of standards between the UK and China will continue in, in some form. Um, so, for example, the uh, the joint China-UK working groups that have been established through the program, they will continue collaborating, although probably on a less intensive level, but they will, you know, BSI will maintain its collaboration with China um, through the work on jointly developing proposals for submission uh, to international standard setting bodies beyond the lifetime of the BP, uh, notably in, in, so we talked about e-commerce, remanufacturing and organizational governance. Um, and, And then, you know, some of those joint China UK proposals developed under the program, once they get accepted by international organizations such as ISO, some of the collaboration will just naturally move to existing uh, working relationships and networks. And, you know, eventually they will progress through the formal standards development route. So uh, I I really see this as, um, you know, this program has been very much an accelerator of this relationship. um, And I do believe that this relationship will will continue. And, and, you know, obviously all the relationships, the the, the contacts and the partnerships that have been established um, will 
will follow suit. And I think, you know, just as an example, we just signed recently a, a memorandum of understanding with China on technical collaboration in cosmetics. This was all, um, you know, building on the work through the, the business environment program. So I, I think this is a, 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 you know, a sort of a spring, the program has been a bit of a springboard for future collaboration. Looking back at the program uh, three years later, what would I say is the legacy of the program? I, I think there are different levels. So if I start from a very, um, uh, you know, uh, if, I, if I look at sort of different concentric circles, so to speak, if I look at the smaller circle, if I look at international projects, the team I work in, first of all, wh what the legacy is. I mean, for us, there are a lot of learnings from this project, which um, will help us shape and, and design other projects in China, um, as well as you know, other projects with uh, standards bodies around the world. So for us, this program is, is you know, there is a, a strong legacy just in terms of how we manage such um, international projects with other national standards bodies. So that that's really going to be beneficial as well, especially, for example, when uh, we look at how pilot projects can be used in, in projects and how they can demonstrate the benefits of using international standards. I think that was quite interesting and, and worth um uh, pursuing, you know, in, in other opportunities. Um, if we look a little bit wider between um, between BSI and our Chinese partners, I think this has the legacy is that it has really strengthened relationships between UK and China standards bodies, and and this at different levels, uh, both at the senior level, policy engagement level, but also the technical working relationships. I think. Uh, the program has also had uh, a legacy for uh, the for, for the FCDO uh, and other UK government departments involved, such as uh, DIT, because this project really helps demonstrate the important role of standards in international development, international engagement, and international trade. So I think, you know, I hope that the legacy is that we'll see more projects of this kind. And I think if we're looking at, you know, the wider picture, obviously, hopefully this the, the ambition of this project, the expected um, impact is that it will improve um, trade between China and international partner, partners, including the UK. Um, but ultimately, this program will contribute to improving the safety of products, for example, through our work in cosmetics. It'll improve trust between organizations through our work in organizational governance. Uh, and also improve trust between businesses and consumers through our work in e-commerce. Um, you know, and, and looking at more sustainable development through our work in, for example, sustainable cities. So I think, uh, I really hope that this program not only has it had, uh, you know, it, it's met all the expected outcomes that we set ourselves to achieve, but I think, it, you know, the benefits of the program will be felt beyond the life of the, the program. Uh, once the, the program has been, well, since the program has been completed. Our thanks to Sue John Joe, Scott Steeman, Ash Green, Chris Brown, David Lambert, Jeff Visser, Kate Bazootal, and Jennifer Bissett for sharing their thoughts and experiences on the standard strand of the UK China Business Environment Programme for this special episode of The Standard Show. And our extra special thanks to Jennifer Bissett for her help in producing this episode. Now, if you want to find out more about the UK-China Standards Project, check out the links in the show notes. But let's finish with a couple of personal reflections from colleagues at the UK Embassy in Beijing. 
first from David Lambert, and then from the person we started with, Sujan Zhou. So personally, I've massively increased my knowledge and understanding of standards as well. So in my previous, previous career, I was working as a management consultant uh, in London, working on a, a variety of different projects, um, and had never really considered how standards are, are actually a big part of everyone's life. Um, so spending time uh, working on that, understanding the uh, mechanisms, how standards are created, um, I'm sure uh, everyone's kind of who listens to this podcast familiar with the, the stories of how, how standards impact your everyday life from the, the USB plugs or the size of a sheet of paper or the size of a credit card. But then thinking actually so much thought has gone into those standards being developed uh, through the ISO mechanisms of experts getting together and deciding how um, how the best approach should be taken. Uh, that's been really illuminating to think that these, these things that no one really thinks about uh, in their day-to-day -day life, there's actually been a lot of thought and uh, expertise going into those, which makes makes life operate more seamlessly. Um, but yeah, it's not until things don't work that you then realize how important standards are. Because I, I joined the program and from its very beginning, at the beginning, it was very much um, concepts and ideas, as you would imagine. And then working it through in three years' time, we already see the program fruition and also being the ability to actually realize the objectives, such as um, promoting China to adopt more international standards or um, enhance the quality of international standards that China um, provides um, to organizations like ISO, is that we actually are able to um, realize those ideas in a few years' time is what I find most rewarding personally. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Subscribe to us now wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production. 